Yeah, good morning, everyone. Really glad that you can join us now as we come to explore the scriptures. We're going to spend some time in the Bible. If you have a Bible near you, can I encourage you to get hold of it? Turn to John chapter 17. That's where we're going to be based this morning. You'll see that I've set myself up in the conservatory again uh, on a day like today when it's sunny outside. It becomes a bit like a greenhouse, but I was thinking of you, hoping that actually you get a bit of a nicer view, a view not confined within the walls of our home, uh, but actually you can see the world outside, not restricted by the, the perimeter or the periphery of, of our home. But again, being able to have that bigger view of the world outside. And I just want you to keep that in mind as we uh, explore some verses together today. We're going to be continuing in our Hope for Troubled Hearts series. If you've been with us over any of the, the last few weeks, uh, hopefully you'll know that we've been working through John chapters 14 to 17, when Jesus is with his disciples in the hours leading up to his arrest and crucifixion, and he's told them that he's going to have to go, that he's going to have to leave, and they are understandably, they're unsettled by this, their hearts are troubled by this. And what we've seen over these last few weeks is that Jesus just speaks comfort to them, and he speaks hope to their hearts that have been troubled. And we're now into John chapter 17, which is a prayer. So Jesus has gone from addressing his disciples directly to now praying to the Father. But the disciples are very much a part of this. They're with him. They're able to hear what Jesus is praying. And in this prayer, Jesus starts by praying for himself. Then he goes on to pray for his disciples before then moving on to pray for the future generations of believers who are to follow. And this week, um, as we, we think about Jesus' prayer for his disciples, what I hope we will see uh, is that we will see Jesus' heart for his disciples in relation to the world, but also God's purposes for them in the world. So let's read together as Jesus prays to the Father, John 17 and from verse 6. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they, may, that they also may be sanctified in truth. So these were the same verses that we were looking at last week. And really, this is kind of part two to last week's part one, where we were looking at uh, focusing really on, on what Jesus' prayer revealed about the security that the disciples would know, how they were utterly secure in God. But this week, 
as Jesus is about to remember, he's, he's about to leave the world. That's what he says in this prayer. This week, we want to focus on his concern for the disciples, but also on the purpose for the disciples in the world. We're going to look really at a couple of areas, that of protection and then that of mission. Now, we just having read those verses, it's possible that we can read it as if Jesus has no real concern for the world, that it's been set up very much as a those who are, are um, not of the world, so the disciples and those who are of the world. And it seems like all of Jesus' concern is, is for the disciples and not for the world. And I just want to lay a bit of a backdrop, really, that I hope will be helpful for us as we explore these verses today. And it comes from John 3.16, where Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus makes this this remarkable, this uh, really wonderful statement, this claim that God loved the world so much that anyone, whosoever would put their faith and trust in Jesus would know eternal life. So it's not about belonging to any particular nation or nations or people group or people groups. Anyone who believes in Jesus would know eternal life. You see, God's love for the world, it's not merely sentimental. We can have we, we can have sentimental love for something, but it's not that. But God's love for the world led him to specific action in that he gave his son. Jesus was sent into the world by the Father so that the world might be saved through him. But this isn't just the backdrop for today, but really it's 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 uh, an amazing summary of the gospel, of the good news. But there's also a distinction that needs to be drawn between those who acknowledge Jesus as God's son and who believe on him for salvation and those who don't. And that is particularly when we look at John and at Jesus' words, when Jesus is speaking about those who are in the world, uh, sorry, those who are of the world and those who aren't of the world. There's that distinction between those who are... um, uh, are believers and those who are not yet believers and in Jesus prayer, prayer he says of his disciples they are not of the world they don't belong to the world they're of a different nature to the world a few weeks back in John chapter 15 it was Jesus actually says to the disciples look you're going to face opposition in the world you will face persecution in the world you'll face rejection in the world and that's not really to do with you particularly actually it's more of a a reflection of how they have received and recognized me so we need to hold these two things together on on the one hand we've got God's love for the world to the extent that he sent his son into the world that the world might be saved through him but also the reality of what the disciples will face as they remain in the world and this is Jesus what Jesus is saying in verse 11 where as he's praying that uh, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. There's that recognition. Look, I know that my disciples, they're going to remain here. And I know what that's going to mean. And I know what they're going to face. And in the light of that, Jesus then prays for their protection. And he prays for their protection in a couple of ways. Firstly, in terms of their unity. And I'm not going to say much more really about unity. I think potentially that could come up a bit more next week. But when we're thinking about unity, we're thinking about the the oneness 
uh, that the disciples would know in Jesus, but then kind of that, that common uh, unity in Jesus that they all share together to be one in love, one in purpose, one in holiness and one in truth. And Jesus prays for protection of unity because he knows that there are things that will seek to destroy unity. Unity is a, a really precious and valuable and vital thing for the community of God. And there are things that will seek to destroy, which is why Jesus calls on the Father to protect their unity. He prays that he would keep them in that he would keep them in his name. Now, we've spoken about names a lot over the last few weeks. But you know what? It's OK if we repeat ourselves sometimes, because sometimes we need to hear things a few times to really kind of comprehend and grasp them. But when we're talking about God's name, we're not just talking about a label by which he's identified. When we're speaking about God's name, we're speaking about God's revealed character, God's revealed nature. Throughout scripture, God has given lots of names and each one reveals a different aspect of who he is and of what he is like. And so Jesus, when he's praying that uh, that his disciples would be kept in, in, in God's name would be kept in God is this recognition again that of who God is, of everything that God is, that they would be kept safe, uh, that he would protect them, that he would keep them because of who he is and because of what he's like and because of what he has done. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says something very similar. It says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous man runs into and is safe there is protection to be found in the name of god there's protection to be found in who god is and in what god is like and this is jesus prayer this recognition is my disciples are in the world would you keep them one would you keep them united by the power of your name but he also prays that they would be protected from the evil one that there is one who is out there who would be seeking to harm them who would be seeking to draw them away from Jesus and Jesus prays for them here that, that the father would protect them from the evil one but when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's prayer part of the Lord's prayer is that we should pray lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil or from the evil one so this is something that Jesus is praying for the disciples but also something that we are meant to pray for ourselves and it's not that we are to live in fear but we're also not to not to be blinkered. We're not to live in fear of of uh, of one who who is against us. But actually, we're also not to be blinkered to the reality that there is opposition for us. Now, this series has been going over a number of weeks, but remember, really, in the context, this was an evening that Jesus was spending with his disciples. And so just a little bit before Jesus was praying, even though it feels like this was a number of weeks since we looked at it. Jesus prayed, uh, said this to the disciples in John chapter 16. He says that I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome. So when Jesus is praying for his disciples, it's not coming from a, a defensive stance. It's not kind of doom and, and gloom prayer. Actually, we are on the winning side. But the truth is, is that we will face opposition. And so Jesus knows to pray for his disciples that we that they would be protected for that. Not only that, he's taught us to pray that for ourselves, that we would be kept. So Jesus' prayer is for protection 
it is not for their removal. And the reason why it is not for their removal is because he has purpose for them, which is where mission comes in and comes through in Jesus' prayer. Jesus wants his disciples in the world. If you're going to take one thing away from what I share today, please let it be this. Jesus wants us in the world. It's what Jesus' prayer is. I do not ask that you take them out. It's what he says to the Father. They are in the world. They're not of the world. But I don't ask that you take them out. And this isn't that they, it's not that they've been abandoned by Jesus. Rather, they have been sent by him. And they've been sent by him just as he was sent. And we heard a little while ago, didn't we, when we looked at John 3.16 as to why Jesus was sent. Jesus was sent because God loved the world so much that he wanted to make a way for which for, for anyone who would believe in Jesus. Uh, would know eternal life that's why he was sent and so Jesus as the one who was sent now sends his disciples into the world a bit later on in John chapter 20 after Jesus crucifixion and then his resurrection he comes back to the disciples and he, he says chapter 20 verse 21 says that Jesus said to them again peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If we jump to the Gospel of Matthew, at the very end, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus says to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So they've been commissioned. They've been called. They have not been abandoned. When Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. They haven't been abandoned, but they have been sent. And they've been sent into all nations. They've been sent into the world that God so loved to the extent that it led him to the action of sending his only son into the world. Jesus uses this word in his prayer about being to sanctify, or that they, his disciples would be sanctified. To be sanctified means to be set apart. And on the one hand, uh, through Jesus and through his, through his death and through his resurrection, we've been set apart from sin. See, on the cross, um, uh, Jesus he bears our sin in order that we are separated from it. So we've been sanctified, we've been set apart from it. But then there's also this ongoing process of, of, of um, becoming more and more holy, uh, ongoing as we remain in him, as we remain in the word, as we become more and more like Jesus. So we've been set apart from sin. We've been set apart from it through Jesus' sacrifice, but then ongoing as we remain in him, and in the word. But to be sanctified also means not just to be set apart from sin, but also to be set apart for service. And so the work of Jesus on the cross also sets us apart for service, for mission. Now, I can't remember when in my life this was, whether it was when I was at school or a bit later. But there was a particular sports clothing brand who on their website, you used to be able to personalise 
some shoes. You could make them look exactly how you wanted to, them to do in whatever colours with whatever writing. And really, it's a really good example of the kind of society that we live in, which is very much a consumer society. We pick and choose what we want. When we buy a car, you, uh, you might have the option, you have the standard features, but then you can choose the optional extras so you can get it exactly how you want it to be. Um, we can personalise things. You know, you go to go for a pizza, you don't like anything on the set menu, then you can have exactly what toppings you want to make it exactly how you want it to be. And this is true of so many areas of life and in the things in which we consume. We can personalise things. We can tailor them to our wants and to our desires. And we can very easily carry this consumer mentality, mentality into every area of our lives. But when it comes to mission, and when we're talking about mission, we're talking about spreading the gospel from person to person. The, the mission is not an optional extra. Phil Moore, in his Straight to the Heart book series, uh, of, his series of commentaries, and his commentary on John, Phil Moore says this, he says that when we surrendered our lives, we automatically signed up for mission. And so just as the disciples had surrendered their lives to Jesus, so he sent them into the world. This is not an optional extra for us. The commission, the call that Jesus gives to his disciples, gave to his disciples then is the same one that is given to us when we surrendered our lives. We've automatically signed up for mission. We've automatically signed up to make him known. We've automatically signed up to, for the gospel to be taken to the ends of the earth, for disciples to be made. Hopefully, if you've spent any time with us as a church, you've heard us speaking about everyone a witness. And everyone a witness is very much a part of the culture of relational mission, the family of churches we are a part of. And everyone a witness, this culture that we're looking to build is that of a purposeful mindset and willingness that each one of us will have to be used by God to make Jesus known. Wherever he has us, in whatever situations we find ourselves, whoever we are with, partnering with the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us to make Jesus known to those who don't yet know him. It's another reason why we're really excited to be launching the Take a Step initiative across church uh, really shortly to do that. Because, you know, we recognise it can be quite easy to feel like, yeah, but there are other people who are more gifted than I am in this, or it doesn't come naturally to me. There are others that just seems they do a better job than I do. But actually with Take a Step, we really hope that you'll take hold of it and embrace it because the heart of it and the purpose of it is to encourage and equip each one of us in ways in which we can make Jesus known and ways in which we can make disciples to kind of really break it down. Something that might seem quite a daunting call actually to break it down and to take it step by step so that each of us can respond to the call that Jesus has placed on our lives. In the Relational Mission Way of Life book that Mike Betts wrote, I think it seems to be affectionately known as the yellow book, uh, not, not the yellow book, as the orange book. It's definitely an orange book. He says this when thinking about everyone a witness and making Jesus known. He says, let's redefine how we do this. We're not responsible for the outcome of our efforts. He just wants us to be obedient in the right place at the right time with the right person doing the right thing. I'm sharing this not to put some, oh, I've got to evangelise burden on us. No, the Lord will help us. This is not an, oh, I wish I hadn't read that. I've got enough to do. Doesn't Mike see the list of what I've got to do? Look at that. How am I going to do this as well? 
it goes on to say, no, no, be released. This is not something to put on you. This is something for us to be released into. But it's not always the case that we live in that way, where we go into the world to make Jesus known. Again, in Fillmore's commentary, he speaks uh, really, um, uh, perhaps in a way that I can relate to very much. He uses this illustration of how in a, a pandemic or an epidemic, we the idea of quarantine and isolation so as to stop the spread um, of a disease or of an infection. How if you want to stop something from spreading, you isolate it and you restrict it, you confine it. Again, in these times, I was like, OK, I can really relate to this in a different way, having you know experienced what we have been over the last six months or so. Um, but the reason why he brings it up is to say that, you know, Jesus followers were not called to isolate. They weren't called to hide out, to keep themselves to themselves, even in the midst of the tribulation and trouble that they would be facing, where the temptation could be, actually, let's just keep ourselves away. Let's just hide ourselves away. Let's just isolate ourselves. Actually, Jesus doesn't allow for that because he calls them to go into the world and doing so to call them to spread the gospel, that the gospel would would spread uh, far and wide. Just some thoughts, maybe, as to why it could be that sometimes we do tend to that, that, that there might be a temptation to, to, to kind of wall ourselves off or to isolate ourselves. Just some things for us to think through. I think if there are challenges for us in terms of going and making Jesus known, we need to, sh- to shed light on them just to bring them out and to discuss them and, and think them through, because then we can address them. The first one could be fear of rejection or fear of persecution. You think, actually, it's just easier if I'd never put myself out there, because then I I won't have to experience any rejection or persecution. And that can happen. So that prevents us from from going, uh, from observing that call to be sent. Another thing could be, actually, we are so focused on, okay, we want to grow in maturity, and we want to grow in likeness of Jesus. This is absolutely right. But maybe we can then devote so much of our time to maybe church calendars and church meetings and and training courses and gathering uh, within churches. And it very often will come from a very good place. But sometimes it can then be at the detriment of relationships with those outside and spending times with those in the world who need to hear about Jesus. Maybe. And again, it can come from a good place. You know, we just as the disciples were told that they are in the world, but not of it. That's very true for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus as well. And there can be perhaps a fear of being polluted or or influenced by the world. And of course, we need to be wise and we need to make sure we're not putting ourselves in situations where we are going to be compromising what we know to be true. But actually, we can go so far the other way that we shut ourselves off. Whereas actually what we need to be doing is seeing the word and the gospel spread far and wide. Maybe another thing for us to consider is this, is that sometimes we can be very comfortable. And comfort can come at the expense of gospel advance. Because I'm in a, in a community, I'm in a setting where I'm, I, I'm known and I know who's here and I can have my needs met and I, I feel okay. And again, it's right that we feel a part of the family of God, but that can come at the expense of gospel advance. So we just need to be aware that we've not got, not ever got to the point where we're so comfortable that it causes us to look inward 
where our view is confined within the walls of our community. But actually, we need to keep looking to see the world outside. And sometimes when we're comfortable, we can get to that point where actually we're just waiting for people to come to us. And absolutely, we want to be a church community where people feel welcome. And we want people to come and to spend time with us. But actually, the call is for us to go. We're sent into the world, in our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods, with our families, in the shops, in our towns, in our villages, wherever we are. So just some things for us to think upon. I'm not going to throw out any answers necessarily to those, but I think it's worth us thinking about. If there are things, if there are reasons why perhaps we're not, uh, we're not pressing into that call to be those who, who have been sent into the world. But the truth is, as Jesus himself prayed, that we have been sent just as he was sent to carry the good news into the world to our neighbours, to our family, to our friends, to our colleagues, that they would know eternal life. And as we go, we go in the power of the name of the Lord and with Jesus promise that he is with us always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved the world so much that you sent your son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you that your love led you to that action. And Lord, for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we are so grateful to you for that demonstration of love that has made a way. And Father, we just recognise that call that you have given to us that just as Jesus was sent so we have been sent to make you known to a world that does not yet believe to those who don't yet know about you to those who have yet to hear the wonderful truth of the gospel and so father we pray once again that you would help us holy spirit would you lead us to those who who need to hear the good news lord would you give us real wisdom as we do that give us opportunity and then give us boldness to be obedient to your leading and to your prompting. And Father, we pray as well, just as Jesus prayed for his disciples and prays for us, Lord, we pray it for ourselves, that daily you would protect us, that you would keep us as one in unity, in the power of your name, but that daily you would keep us and protect us from the evil one, Lord, that there would be nothing that would hinder your purposes, that would be nothing that would hinder the advancement of your gospel, that you have called us as your church to spread and to take into the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, as ever, for being with us today. In just a little while, we're going to be over on Zoom, uh, having a chance to just catch up with one another and encourage one another and pray together. We would love to see you there. So please do join us there. But we hope that you can join with us again soon. Please do join us next week. Um, have a very blessed week all of you um, if you need if you want to get in touch with us at all just a, a reminder of um, that, that invitation from the welcome as well please do get in touch uh, with us it would be great to to have a chance to, to get to know you okay take care everyone god bless and we'll see you soon